And we're back. Are we? Well, we're kind of back. I guess we are. We are back. Take two. Deja um, vu. Yeah, take back. <laughs> uh, welcome to the CC and JT Amata Hour, where production values go to die. Across yeah. the table for me is CC. And across from me is JT. And it is uh, September 10th. Yes. 20, Sunday. 2023. Yes. Grandparents' um, day. Yep. And as I said, this is take two. We tried to do singing in the first take and when i went back to listen to it uh my insides curled up like a little pill bug and i was at full cringe because it was rather flat Embarrass- embarrassment's quick yeah it was <laughs> it was like total 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 cringe so well we're, what? it happens it happens so uh, we're gonna hold off on the singing for the moment it was you know we got get a for effort just uh, well. well no okay yeah, <laughs> we tried so so uh so in the meantime it's almost noon it's almost noon usually we get these things knocked out around nine o'clock because we have a routine yes and we didn't do that routine so we are creatures of habit so we um so we've got the niners game going on in the background you can't hear it because i got it muted but uh uh you know we're saying hello kappa hello kappa <laughs> hello kappa go okay, niners um so, uh, quick, quickly on current events, uh, we're sore. <laughs> we're, yes, we're because sore. back to the basement again. We, we were back to the basement. Um, second coat of the dry lock. And we didn't finish because we just petered out. We were tired and sore. We're not young pups anymore. Yeah, of a certain age. And then when we uh, made the mistake of go- trying to go to sleep last night, that didn't work out too well either because we just we were so sore and just... Terrible, terrible night. It wasn't soreness for me so much as the three cups of coffee I had yesterday, which was not my brightest moment. No, and then it's like, it's like, uh, you know, it's like doing that second coat was like our house was beating us up or getting back at us for moving in. <laughs> and we said we haven't finished, so we got to go back and go back down there next weekend to finish it up. But uh, we're going to be in a lot better place for um, 100 year events that seem to be happening annually now. What we had two. Did, did we have two? We had oh yeah, the hurricane. We had yes, we had yes. the remnants of the hurricane. Hillary. And uh, we uh, we had the uh, overwhelming well, amount of snow. Right, and that really once that started melting, we were in trouble. Boy, was yep. the water was just rushing in. There was no way to stop it. Um, so, but we're in a better place now. We so. Uh, and unfortunately, it was experience is something we gained when we uh, really needed it. But ugh. Yes. Um, any other current events? You got back into your book, and we're going to talk about how you got back into your manuscript. Yes. That's really going to be the gist of this, aside from the non-singing. <laughs> but, um, you know, I forgot to mention that, um, you know, it's like we were so sore. And I know, I'm sorry to dwell on this, folks. It was so sore that it reminded me of driving. Right. Uh, because uh, for those of us of a certain age, and that's the phrase, uh, for those of a certain age, we were taught, boom, boom, ten and two. Boom, boom, 10 and 2. Yes, like on a clock, 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock. Right. But uh, uh, but the airbags came in. Yes. And then they told us, you, what, what did you say earlier? Was uh, uh, 4 and 8. 4 and 8. 4 and 8, because uh, that minimizes the damage. That way you don't have your hands and your arms in a place where the airbags go off. Yes. It don't puts your hands back in your face. 
breaking your arms, basically. Yeah, it's, it's, which is not fun. But um, Because the airbags are usually in the center of the steering column. Yeah. And that way, if your hands are down lower, the bag deploys over your hands, not into your arms. Yeah, and the reason I mention that is because when I went out driving this morning, uh, I couldn't get my hands to the 10 and 2 position because my arms were so tired. It's right. like I'm driving, you know... The, the uh, four and eight position, all you know, it's like, oh, okay, no, oh man, now I got to do a ninety degree turn, scurry, 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 scurry from the bottom, scurry, 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 scurry. However, with modern steering, that's not as much of a problem as it was with manual steering yeah, back in the, the day. That's the other thing I was thinking because as I was pulling out of the park, par- pulling out of the parking spot, you know, to drive into our street, mm-hmm. I was thinking, oh dear God, thank God for power steering because if I if right. I had to oomph that crank steering those wheel. old steering okay, wheels, so oh, uh, adventures in aging. Well, and back in those days, it was a hard plastic steering wheel. They have much more padding now. I mean, yeah. I remember the feel. Yeah. And you had yeah. the little metal. Um, I had a Ford Falcon that I flipped. It had one of those. And it's like you really had to grip it. and you know. Right. Okay. And then the metal piece that was the horn. Right. Which yeah, now but, is like a button or something. Yeah, well, it's I, very it was, different. Yeah, and there was, or it was a curved bar. Or something. Yes, yeah. usually it was like a big hard plastic circle and then you had the metal centerpiece on the steering column and then the little metal piece for your yeah. horn so um thousands yes. of years from now when our podcast survived and the <laughs> aliens come back and listen to it and they're going to be going what are these people talking about uh yes yeah, okay historic uh, steering wheels okay uh so let's get into the gist of things and cc is looking over my shoulder out the window what are you looking at what are you looking at Crookshanks was on the fence meowing. Oh, if you hear a cat, cat, our next door neighbor, which is a ragamuffin of a cat. Right there. Hi, Crookshanks. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so who are we going to talk about today? Who, or who have we already talked about today? We're going to do it again. Elizabeth Gilbert. Who okay, wrote Elizabeth Gilbert. Eat, Pray, Love. Okay. Uh, an iconic phrase now, thanks to uh, Ms. Gilbert. Yes. Uh, who, um, uh, you listened to her uh, this week and she yes. helped you get back into your manuscript. Right. And for those of you who are aware, I just learned about Elizabeth Gilbert at length, so I'm going to show off, you know, I just learned about her today, so I'm just going to show off just because, you know, <laughs> men do that. Uh, she uh, is a, was, is a reporter who um, reported, you know, could say, and, and used her experiences to, to uh, towards manuscripts. To inform her writing. Um, for those of you who remember the flesh and plan, Coyote Ugly, that was her experience that she put to paper that formed the basis of that movie. Yes. But more more uh, recently, and perhaps obviously more famously, Eat, Pray, Love. Right. Uh, starring Oscar award-winning Oscar. You know, Julia, Julia Roberts. Roberts. So, um, but that's not where we're not here to talk about Julia Roberts, though, honestly, I could talk about Julia for a while. You know, and I could put my, you know, hands up to my eyes and pretend I'm a stalker and say, hey, that's Julia Roberts. But we're not going <laughs> to do that. Do the googly eye cartoon thing. Ah-wooga. Yeah, yeah, Julia Roberts. Okay. Anyway. Uh, uh, you know. um, but, okay, so how Back did to... Elizabeth Gilbert, great first name, how did Elizabeth <laughs> Gilbert change you this week? So what happened was, and we also have neighbors working on a house, so what else, you're also hearing some construction noise out there. Anyway, like we said, it's a little later than normal. We, this past week was a rough one, and I was not feeling motivated in a writing direction. I was very blocked on the chapter I was working on. I had a vague idea of what I wanted to do, but I just wasn't getting there. So, yeah. And I, uh, we should point out that, you know, you had extensive dental work done. Yes. Expensive, extensive dental work done 
uh, last Thursday. week, but it yes. but it was it affected just the entire week. Oh yes. no, it was Thursday, right? So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, mojo. today is Sunday, okay. right? But even so, going up to it, I was dreading it. So it did really basically ruin my week. Anyway, I was not feeling motivated in a writing direction. And I was frustrated because this chapter is sitting there. I have it half written, but I'm not quite sure where it's going or if I'm even keeping what I wrote. Because I have a very distinct idea of what I want to do and I'm not sure how to do it. Anyway, I get frustrated. I decide to break myself out of this dark spiral that I'm in, I'm going to watch some TED Talks. So I go to YouTube and start pulling up TED Talks on TED writing Talks, right. TED, T-E-D, right. TED, TED, TEDx, whatever. So there were a whole series of, there was a playlist of TED Talks mm -hmm. about authors and writing. And one of the first ones that came up was Elizabeth Gilbert. And she was talking about her success with Eat, Pray, Love and how she had been writing for a long time, like a lot of us, and she'd had varied successes. As you mentioned, Coyote Ugly was somewhat successful, not quite to the extreme that Eat, Pray, Love reached, but it was something that she'd been pondering because people started asking her, what are you going to do now? What if this is the high point of your career? You're in your 30s. I think she was in her early 30s. And if this is the pinnacle of your career, what next? You know, are you going to continue writing? Are you going to do something different? And she started thinking about the pressure that comes after success and the idea that maybe putting that pressure on something other than herself would help her to continue writing. So she started talking about the divine spark of inspiration, that maybe we are a conduit or a vessel to kind of channel the whatever is out in the universe, whatever the divine whatever a higher power is putting out God. are we just channeling this onto the page and was this her chance to channel something and maybe by not putting that pressure on herself personally it wasn't her success necessarily it was something that was inspired by a higher being and she mentioned a few other uh, ideas of the there was a poet she mentioned who'd been out working in her fields and she would get this flash of insight and she'd run into the house and try to grab a pencil and paper before she lost that inspiration and she'd be calling out please wait wait I'm not ready yet and you know sometimes she made it sometimes she lost it but it was like if you're doing this and you're not putting that much pressure on yourself she even went through a whole history of the societal changes because apparently very early on a lot of these types of successes were considered just divine inspiration and not a personal you know, mm -hmm. hardworking, I put all this time and effort into my career, success. And she was trying to, I guess, frame her future career as a writer based on the fact that she may not ever have anything as successful as what she had just put out, Eat, Pray, Love. And that really kind of resonated with me, not so much in the fact that I feel like I might have some divine inspiration, but the fact that maybe putting the pressure on myself the way I have been, the way a lot of artists do, is not the way to go. I just need to kind of step back and get out of my own way. But mm -hmm. when I mentioned this to you, you had a very, um, I don't know, kind of a strong reaction. You didn't really know. come out and say I don't know if it was strong. I don't well, know if you, it was strong. You were but kind you, of but, taken but aback. Before, but before we do that, um, 
That was the first TikTok. Oh, not TikTok. I did it again. TED, TED. Talk. That yes. was the first TED Talk you read yes. of hers. But, but you said there was a... You watched a, a second one. Yes. And did it... Uh, did I misremember you saying that it seemed she was kind of walking it back or did she... Yes, was, definitely. Uh, okay. She did in, not and in mention... Fairness, yeah, in fairness right. to her, what did, she, what, what did she say? Yeah. She basically did not go back and reiterate what she'd said about divine inspiration before. She was just talking about the writing process and maintaining your process. And it was more, it was like she had found a comfortable place after maybe some of the fame that, you know, bubble that she'd been in when Eat, Pray, Love came out. Some of that had faded away a little bit and allowed her to move on, I think. So she wasn't really reiterating what she'd said about the divine inspiration and all the history that she'd given in that TED Talk. She was talking about her continued writing and her mm -hmm. creative process personally and things like that. So it wasn't so much that she was walking it back, mm -hmm. but I think she found her own comfort zone. Yeah. Because, because, you know, the word that I got stuck on in the last podcast is the word of spectrum because there's the, the um, and it's not a good word. I'll say right up front. It's really not a good word because it kind of implies that there's a range of talent and a range of inspiration when it comes to writing, when in, when in fact, and this is again my belief, uh, is that we all we all uh, inhabit our own worlds in the right. universe, and one world is no better than the other world. There's not a range from good to bad, right. you know. And so I just want to make sure I say that up front when I when I kind of push back on what what uh, what uh, she said. And I should also caveat this saying is this is your interpretation right. of what she said. I did not watch those videos myself. So what I'm right. doing is I'm. I, we're playing kind of like telephone here, where yes. she said one thing, you heard it, you repeated it, and I'm, I'm working off what you said versus what she said. My interpretation but of what your she interpretation. said. Your yep. interpretation. And I only say that so it's out in the open now. Right. Of course, I trust you implicitly, and I'm not I'm not doubting for a second that's what it is. But, um, but you may take it completely differently if you were to watch the video. That's true. But I just want to get that out in the right. open. And uh, the reason that um, I kind of have, I'm kind of cynical on that, I'm kind of cynical on that is because uh, people have been using that for that same thing for thousands of years to justify the existence of religion. That right. uh, for good or bad, that uh, religion is also divine inspiration. Right. And I'm not saying uh, that's what Ms. Gilbert encountered, but that is something that um, I'm always going to be kind of... Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, hand of God stuff. I'm I'm kind of wondering about that because, right. uh, because first of all, um, I'm wondering how much that abrogates responsibility for our own talent. Right. Uh, because it is clear that Ms. Gilbert is talented. Right. She is talented in her own way. And if she said it was you know, it was divine inspiration, the hand of God, it was the great spaghetti monster. Right. So be it. It doesn't negate the fact that she is still talented. Right. But I also think that it abrogates a little bit of responsibility for that, for that talent. What I think that, um, that you know, that many uh, writers do, maybe even most writers do, and I can't, I, of course, I, there's no way that I can say that authoritatively. But it's uh, something that the synapses just sort of lined up in your brain right. at the right time. And it could have been something that happened out on the field. The example we learned, we used earlier was walking, walking out in the field and we see the great sunflower. Yep. And we think of something yellow. And we think of the uh, kid in the rain slicker, which is the opening scene to Stephen King's It. Which is the opening scene to Kim Sing's It is a kid in a yellow rain slicker. Right. And I'm not saying that uh, Mr. King, uh, you know, saw, saw a sunflower, sunflower or was saw a ray of sunshine that was, the, you know, divine guidance or anything like that. But it's how, that's how inspiration happens for me anyway.
my point being is, well, maybe not my point, but my supporting my supporting uh, documentation on that is while I've been sort of muddying around with my space epic, um, I was dealing with my own kind of inspirations where I was dealing with a lot of what ifs. And I shared the outlines with those, with you. You know, yes. I wrote two chapters, mm-hmm. uh, one chapter each, for these. One being a civil war uh, kind of thing, yep. and one is a Lake Tahoe kind of thing. And where did the inspirations come from? That well, I I visited Gettysburg. Right. I visited Gettysburg a few months ago. June was it? June? June. I think it was May. Um. Uh, it's got to be May. Late May, yes. <laughs> I think it was late May. Um, and I got to thinking about, you know, what if I wanted to play something in Gettysburg? And that's where that inspiration came from. Right. And the other thing is I was thinking about, you know, like the summer of 59. and uh, 49. 49. They did it again. Summer of 49. <laughs> or, you know, what it would be my To Kill a Mockingbird kind of story. And right. it's like, well, where would I place it? Well, oh, Lake Tahoe. It's right there. So I could do something like Lake Tahoe and I could set it in the period of my childhood which is the late 60s, early 70s, which I was actually here during yep. that time. So that wasn't divine inspiration. That was just thinking, what if, using my experiences. Now, do I look down on Miss Gilbert for using that as her, you know, as the way to become, you know, the writer that she is? Of course not, because, hey, whatever works, works. <laughs> I don't think that was where she was going, though. Yeah. What my impression was... That she was somewhat freaked out by her success mm. and the constant questions about her being able to do something equally successful in the future was causing her to pressure herself where it was creating a problem with her writing. And she okay. was mentioning that in the past, maybe that wasn't quite as much of a problem for people. They just created their art because they felt like it was something that was being channeled through them instead okay. of actually putting so, that may, pressure. So did I misunderstand that she was saying that she was being divine inspi- divinely inspired? Or she was just citing that as something in the past? She was saying that that was something that maybe she should consider mm. as a way of relieving the pressure on herself. That was coming from all these people asking her, you know, can you do this again? What are you going to do now? If this is the high point of your career... Are you going to do something completely different? So it's not that she was saying, I never got the impression one way or another whether she was saying that she was divinely inspired, but she was using it as an example of maybe how to relieve the pressure on yourself as an artist in the creation process and moving forward, you know, that if she thought Eat, Pray, Love had been divinely inspired, you know, that maybe the next book wouldn't be quite so hard because maybe she could channel something else instead of trying to find that within herself. Okay, so perhaps I did misinterpret a little bit um, what you were saying about the the videos that you wa- watched, but I, I I still say that the inspiration process is still right. um, unique to each writer. Yes. And uh, it should not be discounted. But... Um, do you feel that you rep- did you represent what your thoughts of her, your interpretation because you were saying what she said right did you say what you said about what she said did that actually come out right <laughs> well my interpretation was that maybe i was putting too much pressure on myself mm. based on what she was saying that i'm not going to sit down at the keyboard and think that lightning is going to go through my fingertips into the computer and oh, create God, this i hope not work of you know incredible masterpiece like leonardo da vinci type of masterpiece that you know that would be my divine inspiration i wasn't thinking that at all but it gave me the 
maybe the freedom to say, you know, if I sit down, I could get a flash of inspiration. I just need to keep working through it. And that's kind of, I think, what she was trying to, not so much in the first video as in the second one. The mm -hmm. second one, she was more about, well, I just continued writing and I've been doing this. And she, I don't think that she has had anything quite as successful as Eat, Pray, Love in the time since. But that has not stopped her from creating. But at the time that Eat, Pray, Love came out, she did seem to be very stressed about the fact that she was being put on this pedestal mm -hmm. and that, you know, was it talent? Was it inspiration? How could she move forward, you know, based on those two ideas? Okay. So we, what we got going on here is a lot of interpretation of a single writer in, in the universe of writer Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, and um, we, we can't overstate her impact if on anything else on home furnishings, because E pray love became you know the, the it seemed like the it came sign in, yeah yeah it became a sign which we and we've got some of those signs in this house we uh, don't have that particular sign but we don't I have, have that seen particular it sign but you y'all know what I'm talking about those right. kitchen signs that seem to have like three or four word inspiration home, family is home or home yeah, is family yeah, or uh, yeah. family is love or so so that does at least uh, show the influence of what one person can do. Right. On our everyday lifestyle. And so Eat, Pray, Love came out, you know, X number of years ago. And what was it? Uh, 17 years or so ago, I And think? we're still having to deal with those signs. But, <laughs> but it's not so much the signs. Right. But it does show the everlasting, um, the everlasting uh, impact and everlasting uh, desire that we all have to, uh, you know, find some simple things in life. Right. You know, boil things down to their fundamentals. And Elizabeth Gilbert, for any other thing, what gave us that path to right. those kind of things. So, you know, kudos to her. Right. Uh, the inspiration thing, whether she uh, uh, used divine inspiration to work on her current stuff or right. her paled stuff, uh, it, well, it obviously worked for her. Whether it continues to work for her is really her business. It's not so much our business because no. we, we have our own world, as mentioned before. She has her world, she has, and we have our world. And uh, maybe someday we'll be, you know, as a bigger world as she has. <laughs> but um, uh, was there anything else that you wanted to take, take, take that anything else that you took from those uh, videos that uh, you, you thought uh, would have would help you? Well, basically what I was looking for was a way to break through my block, which, mm -hmm. you know, that happens, especially in the middle part of a book. And I was hoping by listening to some other writers talk about their processes, that might give me a little something to be able to move forward with what I was doing to break that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a big chunk of stone right. right in front of me. I'm trying to figure out a way to maybe go around it or over it or under it instead of trying to break through it. Yeah, I've, so I was looking for yeah. other paths, basically. And, and I've read was... a couple. I've read a couple things on that, and you know, I tried to employ it uh, myself. And I'm not trying to mansplain, and I apologize if it comes off of that. Um, but one person said, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, keep writing if you, if you, uh, just keep writing. If you can't write what you're writing, then write something else, which I've done. Right. Um, and the, um, uh, someone else has said, you know, kill one of your characters, you yeah. know, just, just, just for fun, you know, just kill, you don't actually have to do anything, but if you, uh, you know, you don't have to include it in the final thing, but if you just right. kill one of the characters, uh, maybe that'll give you some insight as to what to do. And the other thing he said, and I think you even did this, is write a sex scene because yes. um, if you don't have um, if you don't have sex scenes, or you're you know just just write a sex scene, uh, because or a fight scene, um, right. because both are are a active. Act, 
their active exercise yes. in writing, whereas dialogue dialogue happens. Right. Whereas if you do a sex scene or a fight scene, and of course, you know, I'm going to always prefer because of the person I am, I'm going to say fight scene. I mean, she said I was going to think I said a sex scene, but you know, that's okay. <laughs> You've written a lot of both, actually. I've written a lot of both. Okay, but uh, writing either of those. Right. Um, just And again, maybe not even including those in the book, um, sort of break things out. Uh, and maybe that's easier than waiting for a divine inspiration. Well, and really, I think my biggest takeaway from her first TED Talk in particular was the fact that as artists, we do often put a lot of pressure on ourselves. A lot of it is societal pressure. As she was finding out when she achieved success, all these people started asking her Probably she was doing the interview circuit and they're like, well, hey, you're at the, the pinnacle mm-hmm. of your success. You're like 30 whatever years old. Now what? Now and she's what? thinking, I don't know. Now what? You no. know, and so she was trying to she probably had the feeling that maybe this was it. and She should go off and do something different. But right. the idea I think she was trying to put across is that in the past, in history, the idea of divine inspiration allowed artists to be more creative without all the extra pressure. Yeah, but it's funny because right over in my calendar right now is uh, Creation of Man by uh, Michelangelo. Yes. And it's like, you know, they talk about divinely inspired. Hey, I'm a pope. I'm going to pay you money to draw a painting on my ceiling. Uh, what are you going to paint? And it's like, uh, I guess I could create creation maybe? <laughs> that, that's some divine inspiration. That does seem like it goes with the structure. Yeah. But it's... Now that we're talking about it, it does make me think that there is maybe not divine inspiration, but sometimes we're a little bit wired. And I think this is what you mentioned earlier. It's like your synapses aligning Mm -hmm. and you creating something specific. And each of us throughout our unique experiences, some people like Michelangelo or Leonardo da Vinci had the ability to draw, create some kind of painting or sculpture or something that was so breathtaking that everybody knows them centuries later and part of that may have been something that people might consider divine inspiration because it was a talent maybe an innate talent that they had but based on their experiences Mm -hmm. they were able to somehow channel that and um this brings up a story that from um one of my my first philosophy class, and I think mm-hmm. it was literally—I think it was literally called philosophy of religion. Um, we were having a discussion about uh, you know the you know the the great uh, philosophers, and I'm not going to bore anybody with it because, honest to God, it was one of the most boring classes I ever took. But I brought up the question, and this is what I, this is kind of what I do in class. Uh, I brought up the question: Is is our conscious the God whispering in our ear? And um, so let me slow that down and say that again. Is our conscience God whispering in our ear? And it, you want to talk about dead silence in a room and where, you know, where discussions have just come to a complete stop, that will do it. And then, you know, some people pointed out that, you know, well, you have, you have, the, you have, the, you know, criminals that right. don't have a conscience, which I I already picked up on the tone of the class that I wasn't going to push this very far. But my response to that, which I admit that I didn't say, is, well, you know, maybe uh, maybe they have a different conscience right. and a different God. And I didn't want to go down that road <laughs> because it's, it's a challenge. But, yeah, so if we assume that if we want to make the assumption, which I think is incorrect now, you know, the, all these years later, that the, our that 
the conscience as a whisper of God, then we're talking about an absolute being being, you know, speaking to us as one being where, of course, every religion has their own flavor of the single being. Now I'm going back to my Baha'i days. <laughs> um, but um, I'm not, I, maybe I'm not explaining myself well. So let me let me hit the let me start over just a tiny bit. Um, uh, for a brief time, I was a member of the Baha'i faith when I was a teenager. And the Baha'i faith believed the many faces of God is actually the one face of God. The Baha'is have a nine-point star, which it symbolizes all the major religions. And they all point to the same God. So it's just one God, all religions. So they're, they're inclusive, basically. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's, you know, the, the, the uh, Christian God is not greater than the Muslim God, which is not greater than the Jewish God. Boom, 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 all the way down the line. So, um, so the question is, is the, is the whisper in our, in our, of our conscience the voice of God? Uh, you know, then that, you know, that, that does it, does that, the answer, the answer to that question is either there is a single God or there is a God for each of us, but is it the same God? And, you know, we've gotten so far off the writing track, but it's... But religion and thoughts of God and thoughts of a higher power do factor into a lot of people's writings and writings, fictional writings have... Found, been, become foundational for religions. Yes. And I'm thinking about, what is it, L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology. Yeah, right. And the fact, uh, well, well, going you know, down we that can, road. If but... we, want to, we want to take a big risk here, we could say the Bible. Because the true, Bible is true. a lot of, is, is you know, is there is some actual history in the Bible. Yes. But there is also interpretation of right. history, literary interpretation. Uh, yep. So, yeah, so these are all fair, fair questions for from the writing point of view. Yes, because religion and writing, you know, in early history, the most learned people were religious people. Right. And they were the ones that were interpreting things and providing these stories. And, yeah. you know, so the very earliest writers were religious writers, like you said, the Bible. And the people who are so involved in, you know, basically everyone interprets these stories in their own way and right. they go to church to temple wherever right. they go to do it as a group in a communal book club if you want to mm -hmm. say but it is based on somebody's writings way back when yeah. and it's and it's something that i said when i used to be a teacher out at the prisons uh is that for the longest time, for longest periods of time, the only educated person in the local area was the priest. Right. And when I say educated, I'm not referring to people like with common sense who work, you know, work with their hands because often they're more, much smarter than people that have gone to school. They have But often learning. the priest, priest is the only person that has, you know, can read. Is literate. Yeah, is literate, can read yes. and write. Uh, during some for for many spans of time, right uh, throughout human history, and the person that has the ability to read and write can speak from a higher, not maybe not higher isn't the word, but can speak from an authoritative uh, stance. Whereas somebody who does not, who's learned you know secondhand through uh, you know oral history, may not have that same level of you know confidence but that's you know but oral history is also very strong there's yes. another, there's another word for oral history tradition yes so but going back to elizabeth gilbert and divine inspiration mm -hmm. if we're thinking about divine inspiration going back to these religious literate people mm -hmm. were they divinely inspired right. to write the bible or right. to write 
the Quran or the Torah or whatever, whatever particular mm-hmm. flavor of religion. And if they were inspired, who what, what was the inspiration? Was it the one God or was it the multi-faces of God? You see, the, the questions... But now we're really off on a tangent. Yeah, we're really We've gone off, into the ether. We're, we're way, way out there for a writer's podcast. Uh, but perhaps we are providing, if a writer is listening to this, perhaps we're, we're providing some inspiration or some ideas that they can incorporate in a work. Because these are actually all valid questions. The, the, the single voice of God, the whisper of conscience, the, the, the uh, multi-faces of God. Divine the inspiration. Divine inspiration. What inspired folks to write the Bible, the Torah, the Quran, uh, you know, and all of these extremely important books to, uh, that uh, that shape current civilization. Uh, yeah, writers matter. <laughs> it's true, because without these inspirations, where would society be? Right. In a lot of ways, mm-hmm. we might be better off. We don't know for sure. But there is a lot to be said about the fact that maybe some of these people were somehow inspired by mm-hmm. a greater thing. That doesn't necessarily mean it's divine, but something somewhere inspired them and caused them to create something that resonated so strongly with people that it still exists today. Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and round off this conversation by sticking up for the atheists, which we haven't mentioned yet. And the atheists are the atheist sounding sentence. Our question is, if God didn't exist, would man have created him? See? That is true. And then, but then that also goes back to creation and imagination and right. You know, if we're sitting down and we're creating a work of fiction right. about a god, yeah. then it's like, okay, so, you know, does it matter? Yeah, Chicken in the egg. <laughs> yeah, we, um, I can tell you right, right now, from my personal experience, I can tell you right now, Cece is very, very nervous about this conversation because we're going out on a limb here that she's not really usually comfortable with. I don't know why I did that. Uh, but uh, we were just looking... Oh, the computer screen. It was God. Yeah, it was God. Uh, <laughs> uh, because you usually don't like to take the uh, controversial stance because if it can be it can be a challenge. Right. And uh, it's not... I don't mind being controversial, but the mm. problem is that there are so many differing opinions mm-hmm. that controversy for the sake of controversy does not fix anything. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go in that direction. I don't mind a discussion about topics that can be controversial as long as it's a reasoned discussion. Right. Uh, okay, so we did talk a lot about it. We did talk a lot about, you know, a wide range of things, starting with Elizabeth Gilbert to the divine inspiration, to the to the whisper of God, to the many faces of God, and uh, how all of that sort of kind of comes around to writing, believe it or not. We actually yes. did end up at writing. All but, the way through history. Uh, but as I often say in these podcasts, were we full of hooey? Were we full of caca? What did we fail to include in this very important <laughs> discussion of inspiration? Uh, did we give enough credence to just mortal inspiration? Did we not forget, for example, writing for money, which is, you know, which some of these books could have happened yeah, these, you know, writing for power, writing for money, writing for influence. And it wasn't so much uh, writing for inspiration, but uh, writing to uh, to uh, control. You know, that's... Actually, that's a different discussion. And that could be a topic for our next podcast if we want to go in that direction. Yeah. Just sitting down to write 
for money, not for pleasure. Yeah, and um, yeah, and yeah, you're right. That's where I'm going to go ahead and stop where I was going with that right now because yes, right, that we could can be, do that lot next week. We could do that next week or down the road. Uh, but we, I, what we hope we've done here is uh, we've given you some ideas, or given you some thoughts, or given you some uh, inspiration. Forgive the use of the word uh, to think about uh, what is writing and what is your inspiration to write. Are you whisper? Are you listening to the whispers of your conscience? Are you listening to your own motivations? Like, like for example, I did for the examples that I did for my own writing using yes. Lake Tahoe and Gettysburg. Are you using your own inspirations? Are you use is is God whispering in your ear saying, "Hey, you need to write this because people need to hear my word." My word being capital M. Right. Um, what else? Well, I think basically my homework for you, if you're listening to this and if you're interested. Go look for those two TED Talks that mm-hmm. Elizabeth Gilbert did. See if my interpretation matches up with your interpretation. Um, was I completely off base with my perception of what she was trying to do? And, you know, let us know what you think, because that would be interesting. Let's, yeah. If you want to continue the discussion, that would be awesome. Yeah. If, actually, I'm just going to ask you to go ahead and go online and just send me the links to those. And I'll just include, I I'll include them in the web page so we save, pe- save people the effort so they can just click and do their own interpretation. Uh, boy, we talked about a lot today. We went really literally all over creation on this one. <laughs> creation with a capital C. Creation with a capital C. And uh, we are interested to see here if anybody, um, you know, has any pushback. Um, and, uh, you know, be gentle because it's obvious that we have a lot of thoughts and we, I don't think we've really settled on anything for ourselves. No. So if you think that you could influence two people of a certain age, you know, go for it. Give it a try. Well, I can't say that anybody is going to influence my base beliefs Mm -hmm. very deeply, but I am willing to interpret things in a different way when necessary, and I'm open to hearing other people's opinions. Yeah, my mind is open, too. I'm just, you know, I I don't, I admit right up front, I don't have all the answers, and sometimes I don't have any of them, so. This is an appropriate uh, podcast, though, for a Sunday, because a lot of people have gone to church today, or Mm -hmm. to temple, or... You know, depending on your faith, you may be divinely inspired today. So hopefully maybe this will tie in with what you were talking about with whoever you've been hanging out with today. Okay, I think we've done enough blah, blah, blah. Some folks have got things to do and, you know, and... I actually do think it's an interesting topic of discussion. And I think we went down a path we did not expect. Yeah. Um, So maybe sometime we'll come back and revisit after we've had a little more time to think about it and mull... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then maybe it'll all just end up being that silly sunflower. It could be the sunflower. Yeah, it could be the sunflower. Okay, uh, you can check out this podcast and other podcasts and our links to social media and other information about us if you go out to our website. Or when you go out to your website, go to our website <laughs> at www.carsonhume.com. Um Hopefully you'll find us interesting or you know we're not just blathering to be blathering. Well, if anybody hears this podcast for the first time, and particularly this episode, let's say we get that 1.5 million that you were getting a little freaked out about the other day, that would be a a fun place to start from, wouldn't it? Having Uh, all this topic of discussion out there in the ether. Yeah, we're going to go, we're also going to go start our drinking habit. Go hide under a rock somewhere. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. Until we talk to you next week, uh, sitting across the table from me is Cece. And across from me is JT. We hope that you all have a wonderful week and you all take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.